Welcome to Focal Point. This is episode two. We've got gas. Your acquisition syndrome. Chelsea has a new microphone. And we review a few photos. I am your co-host, David Patton. And today we have with us Jeff Markowitz. And of course, our host, founder of the 52 Week Challenge and creator of Focal Point, Chelsea London. Hello, David. Hello, Jeff. Um, I want to welcome everyone to episode two. Uh, we have some new stuff happening. And like David said, I have a new mic. So thank you for all the patience for everyone that listened to episode one. I did not know my mic was busted. So here we are, brand new one, sounding better, I'm sure. Today we have Jeff Markowitz with us. Um, before I introduce Jeff, I need to say happy birthday to Jeff. Today is Jeff's birthday, the day we're recording. So... Jeff, you might get some belated happy birthdays off of this when it goes live. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. You're welcome. So, Jeff, um, let me tell you a little bit about Jeff, and then I'll have him say hello. Um, Jeff is based in Chicago area. He has been doing photography for many, 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 many years. Um, after an interest, he worked in architecture, so that brought in the interest of photography. He has a project called The $2 Portraits, which I'll let him tell you about. Um, and Jeff, because today is all about gas gear acquisition syndrome, I'm never going to ask another guest this again. So you're very special. What gear do you use now? What gear did you start with? And do you feel like it had an impact on you? So Jeff, please. Thank you, Chelsea. Thanks, David. Uh, appreciate this opportunity. Today is my birthday, 72. Uh, so I have been doing photography for many, many years back uh, since high school, uh, back in the film days with uh, with my own darkroom, uh, did black and white, never got into color, um, took a little hiatus for a while. And then um, about uh, 12, 13 years ago, my interest really, really picked up again. And so... Um, I experienced a lot of gas over <laughs> the last uh, decade, and um, uh, but have uh, really uh, started to think more about the photography itself and less about the equipment. Um, thanks to uh, help that I've received from Chelsea over the last three years that I've been doing the challenge and and. Uh, you, Chelsea, serving as a mentor. So uh, appreciate that. Um, I uh, About 12 years ago, I was looking for something to really spur some inspiration and spent a lot of time on Flickr and came across a, a project that was started in San Francisco uh, called $2 Portraits, uh, started by a gentleman named Thomas Hawk. And um, I'm being more of an introvert, uh, $2 portraits, which is speaking with strangers on the street, uh, which is more an extroverted activity, really piqued my interest and was something that would push me out of my comfort zone. And so I decided to do it. The premise that Thomas set up was uh, to engage with them and uh, uh, ask them about their story and ask them uh, if they would allow you to make a photo and you would give them two dollars. Well, with inflation, it should probably be more than two dollars, but <laughs> that was that's the premise of the project. And so I started doing that, and it 
it uh, actually became an obsession. I, I just really met some incredibly interesting people, uh, heard some amazing stories, uh, ultimately saved someone's life through that. And, uh, and now that I'm retired, um, I'm not in the city as much. I don't encounter as many uh, folks that would be subjects of this, but I still, when when I when I see an opportunity, you know, I try and seize it and not just pass someone up. I always carry a bunch of two of uh, one two dollar packets of bills uh, rolled up in my wallet so that I'm I'm ready to uh, to do uh, a two dollar portrait. So. Uh, um, and then the other thing that, that you mentioned, uh, Chelsea, was uh, I, I have another project. I call it Project W. Uh, project W stands for whatever, whenever. Um, it followed a uh, Project 365 that I did back in 2010. And that was, that was a great endeavor, but it was brutal in terms of commitment and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, saver shots at 1030 at night and trying to get it posted. Um, and so I, then I went to a project 52 where I was doing one a week and then that evolved into project W for, uh, whatever and whenever. Um, one of my goals in Chelsea's, uh, challenge, uh, was to, uh, establish a website and so I, and a domain, and so that's been accomplished. And, and Project W is the lead of that. And one of the links is a blog, which is where I do most of the posting. Lovely. I will say I subscribe to Project W. I get the emails at like, they come through on my end at like six o'clock in the morning. So it's always the first thing I see when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> which is a, a fun way to start the day with Jeff. So every day um, I will link <laughs> Jeff's website below so you guys could also have the joy of daily Jeff. So, um, Jeff, I see you avoided the big question, uh, the question that no one will ever be <laughs> oh, queried yeah. again. Yeah. What's your gear? <laughs> Current gear. So so the gear, the gear is, well, I, you know, I started back in in high school. So that was film. Uh, I still have my Minolta XG9, um, and uh, I've shot a few rolls uh, on it lately. But I, I have to tell you, even even being an old guy, I uh, I just the the instant gratification with digital <laughs> just has has me hooked, and the expense of the expense of film. Um, mm -hmm is, you know, is something that, uh, uh, I really don't want to deal with either. So, um, so I'm, I'm pretty much hooked on, on digital. Um, I started out, um, with, uh, you know, old digital cameras, pocket cameras, uh, um, and kind of work, work my way up. I, I, I've had ASPC, I've had, uh, micro four thirds. Um, and, uh, and I ultimately decided I wanted to go back to, uh, where, where I started 
and that is full frame. So I now shoot with a, uh, a Sony mirrorless a7 IV. Um, I've got a few uh, full frame lenses. I've basically sold uh, everything else, um, sold my ASPC stuff, sold my Micro Four Thirds stuff, um, and, uh, and or traded it in and and uh, so I have a few, a few lenses, um, my, my main body of the, uh, the Sony. And then I, a couple years ago or a year and a half ago, I picked up a Ricoh GR3X, which is the 26 millimeter ASPC. So it's a 40 millimeter full frame equivalent. And I absolutely love that camera. I take it with me all the time. I've gotten some shots on it that I never would have gotten with any other camera. So that is, that's my current gear. But I will say that, that this topic is so relevant because a week ago I did my rookie astrophotography shoot. <laughs> Um, with a with a friend of mine, and we were out in absolute pitch darkness. We were at one of the international dark sky sites up in uh, Door County, Wisconsin, and it was I was on the beach of Lake Michigan, and it was pitch black. And I thought I knew my gear, but when you don't have light and you're fumbling with your gear, you really learn how how well you know it or you don't know it. I've done a, a lot of YouTubing and reading and, and stuff in the intervening week, and, and I've got some gas. <laughs> do, do, I need, do I need an astro lens? So uh, this, is a, this is a perfect topic. So, uh, that's, so that's my gear. Well, good. So why don't we jump right into it then? Gas, um, gear acquisition syndrome, what is it? I think Jeff kind of described it pretty well. Um, it's basically just this obsession and constant desire to acquire new and more gear. So we're going to talk about it today um, because I think at some point it hits everybody a little bit, at least a little bit. Yeah, especially when it uh, comes to the point you've got old gear. And sometimes it's hard to tell, okay, do I just want the new lens or do I actually need that for what I am doing with my photography? That can definitely be a big thing. I, I am a Fuji shooter and Viltrox is coming out with a brand new like 27 millimeter F1.4 and I already have a 25 F1.8. So it's like right there and it's one of those do i really need to try to get this new lens or can i stick with my same old lens that i have been using and has been doing just fine for me uh so it definitely can sometimes be a challenge like do i actually need it or is it just something i want so it's very easy i think when you're unfocused in your genre to end up falling victim to to gear acquisition syndrome I will also say to that that I think it's good for beginners to try different genres and not even just beginners, anyone, you know, you're not, it's not, a, you don't need to stick to one genre um, of photography, but what you should think about is, is this one piece of gear something 
that I can find alternate uses for? Is it something that's really going to elevate my photography or do I just feel like it's something that I need? Like you can do astrophotography without an ultra wide lens. I mean, it's it's going to be a different type of astrophotography but than maybe what you have seen in blogs and things, but you can do it. So you have to kind of just ask yourself, is this something that is going to elevate what I already do or is it I just want to experiment? And if it's I just want to experiment, why not just experiment with what you already have? Yeah, those are all really good points. I know as, as I've changed systems and and acquired uh, lenses for those systems and so on, part of my thought process was, well, you know, maybe I'm a little bit in a rut and and all this new stuff will inspire me to go out more and shoot more or maybe shoot different things. Mm -hmm. And maybe it did in the very beginning, but then, you know, just fell. I always fell back into the same pattern with just a new kit. But I, you know, I said, oh, well, should I go back and get a a micro four thirds kit for the street photography, because that's, you know, what I really love to do. And, and, you know, the answer is no, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, so I'm, I'm done with the big uh, gear acquisition at this stage. Uh, I, I really want to focus more on, on uh, experiences as opposed to um, hardware. Until, you know, this astrophotography uh, <laughs> thing came up. And it's, and it, I mean, oh, it's no. funny that you brought that up. I, I was about to push the button on buying a, a uh, Viltra, I think it was a Viltrox uh, 14 millimeter F2.8 manual Do focus uh, lens. <laughs> At MPB for hundred and forty-four dollars. I go. Oh, well, that's a that's, good deal. You know, that's pretty. That that, <laughs> that, that a that's deal. a really that's a really good deal. But but then I Don't do but it. then I was I was I was reading the Discord. Um, I was reading the Discord kind of at the same time, and one of the one of the people on the Discord was talking about astrophotography, and and he said, "Well, oh, it's absolutely BS that you can't do it with an F four." lens so i've got my 20 to 70 and i put it at 20 millimeters and maybe i can get by but i don't know i i did think 144 (laughs) dollars was a pretty good price so maybe i I may i may still bite on that one so i'm not totally curious leads into like when you do need new gear if astrophotography is something you are looking to really do a lot more of it may be worth it to get a new lens that will be specialized for that. Uh, For me, it was horse shows. I've done equine stuff along with the portraits. And so this past year, I've really started getting into going to the horse shows and shooting those. And for that, I needed a longer lens. So I ended up, I did spend some money on a longer focal length, 70 to 300, just so I could shoot the horse shows. But that was for a very specific purpose, a very specific need that I legitimately could not do well with the gear that I had. But now it's always, oh, well, there's a better one. I could get that or I can keep using what I already have. It's a constant battle. Sure. I'd I'd like to um, 
I'd like to bring the receipts a little bit um, because people can sit here and listen to us and say, wait a second, but maybe they're sitting on a ton of gear and they're being sanctimonious and telling us don't buy things. So I'm going to bring the receipts. I have, <laughs> well, right now, all I have is a Minolta X700 and a Flexoret N0 film. Um, <laughs> I, I do have my one camera, my one digital camera is an X100F, um, a Fujifilm X100F. I uh, left it in New York and I am in Romania. So I am currently trying to figure out how to get it to me. But in the meanwhile, I have an iPhone 10 and a couple film cameras with no film. That said, I moved to the X100F on purpose. Um, I was, I used to use um, a, I had two Fujis, um, but they were both older ones. I had an X-T1. Um, and I had an XE one prior to that. I had an XT 10. So I've always had these older Fuji bodies. I still have an older Fuji body. My lens was a used, um, 56 1.2, um, which I bought off of a random French person in Paris, um, <laughs> via their version of Craigslist. And I had a 27, <laughs> uh, pancake lens that I got from MBP. So I've never bought new, I've never bought a ton of things. And every time I buy something, I sell something else. So when I decided I wanted the X100, it was for a few reasons. Um, I was pregnant and I was going to be having my son and I wanted to photograph the actual process of, uh, going to the hospital and all that fun stuff. And I was like, I couldn't imagine holding anything bigger than an X100F while doing that. I still failed miserably to take photos during anything interesting. <laughs> it's more before and after, but yeah, I'm sure you can understand that. Um, but when I did that, I knew that I couldn't justify having three camera bodies and two lenses. So I literally sold my entire Fuji kit in order to um, buy the X100F. Um, and I bought that used from MBP as well. Um, so that's my receipts. I'm bringing my receipts, guys. I'm not being sanctimonious. I literally, at the moment, my only digital camera is a broken iPhone 10. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm slightly being sanctimonious here. Uh, I've got the Fuji X-T3, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I, I got that maybe about a year after it came out. Uh, because the camera I had been using broke. Oh, no. It still shoots video, but it would not shoot stills. That's when I got the X-T3, and I do have the kit lens that came with it, and then I got the... Uh, it's either the 7 Artisans or TT Artisans. It's basically the same thing, but yeah. they're 25mm f1.8. And then I got the Viltrox 85 also an f1.8 that I use for portraitures, and then the uh, 70 to 300 that I recently got for horse shows. And then I have some adapters so I can use a couple old film lenses that I've got. Well, I think like one of the things that when people talk about it and they just kind of get down on it and they're like, gas is bad, gas is bad. No one ever says really why, why it's bad. Um, so I'd like to like kind of focus in on that a little bit. I think one of the biggest problems with 
this is the gas comes from a from a good place right it comes from a place of wanting to get better at what you do wanting to get better at your photography whether it's just a hobby or it's your career it doesn't matter it's something you care about you want to get better at it so you think well i need the better tools to get better at it which is a completely reasonable train of thought i get it it makes sense to me but what's missing from that equation is that you don't just need better tools you need better skills. You need better, um, what's the word? I just lost my train of thought. You, you need better, a, a better headspace. You need better skills. You need better. Um, it, it's more about the just, technique than the technology. The technique. Thank you. The word is technique. That's what I'm looking for. So, so by spending all this time reading, I'm not going to name names. We're not that kind of podcast, but um, by reading, <laughs> you know, these blogs that are um, focused at amateurs and beginners and newcomers telling them by this, this and this, because look at look at this uh, lens read and they put up that black and white like circle and it's supposed to mean something to me by spending time looking at those. You're not spending your time looking at photos that inspire you or reading about how to do a new um a new genre that that you want to learn or even just literally going out and and practicing and trying things um and that's what's missing yeah because gear is not going to take you all the way it it, it can be a part of the equation it, it's hard to do some of the genres without some of the gear yeah. and it, it can be nice to get it but it's not the whole equation you still need the practice and the technique so a lot of times, instead of going out and getting more gear, it's better to go out and get more pictures. That's a great point. And Chelsea, you you used a word that really resonated with me, and that's headspace. Mm -hmm. I I think one one thing that I've learned um, really over the last couple of years is um, intention and to really think about you know what what I want to shoot and how will the photographs that I create resonate? And first off, how do they resonate with me? You know, I really, I shoot primarily for myself. And if other people, um, if it resonates with other people, that's a bonus. But I, I, I shoot because I love the process. I love the process of shooting. I love the process of editing. And, you know, I just enjoy the entire process. And so I, I do it for me and I and I look for shots that resonate with me. And then when I when I put them out there, you know, if I get positive feedback or it resonates with somebody else, that that's a bonus. But I don't expect it and I don't require it to to keep on going. And so as a result of that, I, I think less now about gear than I ever have. If I can make a plug along those lines, one thing that helped me get to that headspace is a book by uh, Sean Tucker, mm -hmm. um, the, me um, you know, the Meaning of the Making. And uh, it really, you know, it really gets into the creative thought process and really helped me realize that I, you know, I'm doing this for me and I've got to love it. Yeah. I think one thing that we 
we can go on and on about how it's it's bad to to fall into this but i think we need to then talk about well what, what can we do how can we move forward from it so there are people suffering from it right now so what do we do how do we get out of it i think there's a few things we can do i think if you have let's say you have a project that you want to try and you're like well i need I don't know. I need this one specific thing for it. I need a new reflector. Let's go easy and cheap. I need a new reflector. Reflectors don't cost much. You can get one on Amazon for like five bucks, right? So I need a reflector if I'm going to do portraits. I will challenge you to take what you have, find something in your home. So David mentioned, you know, cardstock, white cardstock works great as a reflector. Maybe you have something lying around already. Maybe you have a, um, you know, a, a poster board. Maybe you have, I'm trying to think of things that exist in the world. Maybe you have a white suitcase. Even a, yeah, a white bed sheet can work A white too. bed sheet, like, yeah, it, anything it work, like usually that. Usually works better as like a diffuser. Yeah. But it can also work can great also work. as a reflector because yeah. it's white. I think about my, I did a 365 day project as well a thousand years ago after my husband bought me the camera. I said, well, I'm super out of it. I need to, um, you know, I need to learn again. So I challenged myself one of the things I wanted to get better at was portraits and the only person I could rely on to be there for me every single day is myself. So I had to do a self portrait, um, for 365 days. And I challenged myself to do a different theme and to try a different technique every single day. That technique could be in camera or in editing, what have you. But I found myself using some of the most outlandish things for things like for, I did, um, a week where I did, um, cartoon characters like I made myself up to look like different Nickelodeon cartoon characters um, for their school photos and the only thing I had that I felt like made a good like 90s backdrop was this like lime green yoga mat and I slung <laughs> it over my door and I closed my door and that was my backdrop so you you using what you have around you I would challenge you to do that I would challenge you to ask yourself okay what can I use that I already have to get the result that I want? Um, that's kind of been my MO forever because I don't have this disposable income to go and buy things. And I also find it more fun, if I'm going to be honest, like thinking about that yoga mat, like, you know, it, it had like my cat had torn into it and stuff. So it was kind of mangy and not great, but I made it work and I thought it was a challenge and it was fun at the same time. So that would be one thing I would say that you could do to combat this feeling of gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and for me, a lot of times it is, it's going out and getting more pictures and finding a way to use what I've got in place of getting the new piece of gear. Yeah. But the big benefit of that is I'm going out and getting more pictures. That's what's really going to improve my photography anyway. And so I'm spending that time instead of spending the money. Um, another thing is I, I look in my camera bag and between my camera and the few lenses I've had, and then I've got a film camera in there and I've got my battery charger in there. And it's like, do I really want to carry around any more stuff <laughs> that that can sometimes be the big factor? It's like, I don't want to carry it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, a good way to round this up and it goes right off of what you just said um a little like challenge i want you and everybody listening i want you all to imagine that you have magically won every piece of gear 
available. It's it's there. It's in your closet. You open your closet. It's a magic closet room of requirement. It has literally every piece of photography gear that you can think of in there. When you're in that room with literally everything, how do you choose what you're going to take and what do you take? I could tell you if I was in a room with everything, I would probably end up with like a rangefinder fixed lens and call it a day and be happy. So I would challenge everybody listening. I'm going to ask Jeff and David their answers as well. But I would ask everybody listening to imagine you have that closet with every single piece of photographic equipment in there and ask yourself what four things you would take out of there. And I'm including, when I say four things, I'm including camera body lens and accessories. So what four things would you take? I would take a wrist strap and a fixed lens rangefinder. That's what I would take. I'm not going to say brands because I don't want to because it would be like a, and everyone would judge me harshly. So you can leave that in. Um, I, I can't judge you too harshly. The, uh, the film camera I have is a Leica. Yeah. I, I will say it's the 3F. It's the old cheap Barnack style. It's only a few hundred dollars, not the thousand plus yeah. dollars, because I didn't have that in the budget at the time when I went to that camera store. <laughs> I, I failed on that one. Uh, but ah, that that is a tough one. I would probably stick with Fuji. And that is just because it is what I currently use and have used for the past four or five years. It, it's what I'm familiar with. It's what I I'm already used to everything, so it would, I wouldn't want to necessarily go change things up just to go to another camera brand. But probably one kind of wider angle-ish lens, something in the 23, 27 millimeter range, a tripod, and yeah, I don't even know what else. That 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 kind of boils down to my essentials. I, I don't know. I would probably go with uh, I like the wrist strap idea. Um, I use that all the time. Uh, I hate the slinging the camera around my neck. So I use the wrist strap constantly. Um, I, I probably go with my Rico, um, because I can take it everywhere. And I, I didn't realize it when I bought it, but it also has a function where I can go from a 40 millimeter equivalent to a 50 and a 71 all by just pushing a button. So, so it's, it's pretty flexible on focal length and, uh, and for, and since I still have some room in my uh, group of four, I might go with, the uh, new Fuji X100, what is it, the V? Um, I had, uh, when, when the first Fuji X100 came out, I was working still, and I loved that rangefinder look because I remember as a kid my dad having a Leica, and I just loved that, that look. And so I bought that camera and I became so frustrated with how poor the autofocus was that I ended up selling it. But I, 
I've heard that the autofocus on the new ones are great. And so uh, given given the opportunity, I, I, I might just pop for one of those. Highly recommend. If I could justify getting one, I absolutely would. But I've already got the X-T3 and I've yeah. got a lens within the same range. I, I would love it, but that's I just can't justify uh, getting that. Again, it goes back. It's I want full it. Full circle. Do you want it or do you I need it? Uh, you don't justify. need it. Yeah, I don't yeah. need. I don't, don't need, need it, it for sure. Yeah. But, it, but you know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's the minimalist yeah, in me, uh, but I don't fall for that one. <laughs> so. Um, very good. Well, I think what we could do, um, I would love to uh, look at our submitted photo for feedback now. Um, let's look at this photo we have from Mustafa. Uh, Mustafa sent us photo here I would love to talk about. It's the one of the gorillas. I will post that up so people can see it listening at home. And then if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it now. It should be on the screen. So, Jeff, um, the way we do it here, we've made a tradition of exactly one time. I'm going to make it two times. The guest gets to go first. So, <laughs> Okay. I really love this photo because it, you know, there is a story here. And that's, that's really what I look for in photos. You know, uh, again, I'm, I'm shooting. When I shoot, I shoot for myself first. And when I look at photos, I look for something you know what what resonates what's this what's the photo telling me and and uh and what was the photographer thinking when he or she made the photo and what i see here is uh i can't tell whether it's aggression or whether it's play but uh i you know i see there's 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 a story behind these facial expressions and the barring of teeth of 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 the gorillas and i'd love to know more about that um and uh so i i really like i really like this photo um again from a from a technical standpoint you know it's not perfect but that to me um that's not important what what's important is that it's really um it's it's telling a story and you know, I think there's ways that it could the story can be enhanced through through post processing, but um, you know, number one for me that I, I just I just really like the uh, the action that's displayed here. Yeah, and shooting like it looks like it was definitely taken in a like enclosure at a zoo. You can see zooming in a little bit of reflections off the glass. Shooting through that glass is tough to try to get that with just no reflections uh, because you don't have the control over where the light's coming in the building. Uh, so it can be really tough, but I think that they actually did a pretty good job with this and getting that focus to be on the gorillas and not just a big mess of reflections. I do think the colors are a little tinted from that glass towards the green side. But on the other hand, I think it kind of works with the photo because you can tell that there's glass there. Uh, so I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to leave it a little bit tinted. One thing that I think would be a good thing to talk about with this that I think suits our 
episode is that a photo like this, what I think really works with it is what Jeff brought out, which is the emotion that you can get in there. Now, there's obviously some technical things that we're seeing, like the focus is on the foreground elements, which would be a great out of focus foreground element with the, the gorillas being in focus. But I don't think we're losing a lot in the photo because of that. It's not technically, quote unquote, technically correct, you know, but the way that the photo is composed and balanced with the reflections with these different foreground elements, I think it's kind of got a little bit more of an interesting, more of an art piece than a wildlife. I wouldn't call this necessarily a wildlife photo. A, it's in the zoo, but that's debatable for another day. Um, but it's more of an atmospheric photo. Um, the color cast that David brought up, I don't mind it. It kind of reminds me of my old digi cams and how they would come out in these low light. Acts. And I know the digi cams are all the rage with the kids nowadays. So kids listening, come on, back me up. Yeah. I think it does fit the feel of this photo really well. Cause it's, it's not meant to be like you're in the wild right there by right. the gorillas. It, it's right. It, it does show we know where it's a your zoo. location is. Yeah. 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 We know he's behind glass. The only thing I would I would like to have I would have done slightly differently. And again, this is like a, a moment in time thing, so it's not always feasible. But I would like to see them shifted more towards the center of the frame. Um, I'm going to go against my, you know, people love to talk about the rule of thirds. I call it a guideline of thirds. I don't call it the rule. But um, I think because of the way this is framed with the, we have the, the twig and then we have some leaves and then we have, I guess, the top of the enclosure or a reflection of stairs or something. It actually would make a really nice frame of them if we just shifted the, the subjects over to the left very slightly. Um, kind of like where the, the older gorilla um, or male gorilla is where that, wood that vertical wood is i think that would be a better placement because we have a lot of dead space over to the left and we're losing some of that really i think what really makes this photo interesting is the layering and on the far left we have a little bit of like skylight coming in maybe and it's kind of taking something away from that feeling of encompassed in this jungle environment whether fake or not doesn't matter you're kind of encompassed in it and having that little bit of light on the left is kind of taking away from that. So if it were just shifted over a little bit, I think that would resolve a lot of those problems. Made a good point about the layering. I really like the, the plant uh, in, in the foreground, which uh, helped frame the gorillas. Um, I, I can't help but putting my eye on that one leaf that's running through the head of the large gorilla. And I, you know, I think if I, I would try it, I don't know if it, it would be successful or not, but either try to clone that out or darken it some or, or something to make it less prominent. So my eye doesn't keep going there and, and my eye goes more towards the, uh, the teeth. Um, but uh, you know, there's it. It's it looks like that there was a um, uh, a highlight spot in the background between the uh, the two gorillas, which create you know somewhat of a, uh, a vignette on the outside, and I think that's really helpful in bringing your eye 
to the uh, you know the uh, the teeth of the mouths of of the gorilla, and I would try and enhance that a little bit more and take down that leaf. Um, you know, maybe use a radial filter to lighten that up and maybe sharpen it up a little bit and, and then try and take the leaf out of the, out of the prominence a little bit. And that, and that's about all I would do with this because, uh, uh, I think it's a really, uh, really great photo. Yeah, I think to get it kind of more, cent the grill is more centered, uh, taking a step to the left in this instance would really help get them framed in the middle of everything without the leaf being in the head. Uh, th there's a handful of ways that that could be done, but I do think that would help the balance of the photo overall. Because right I, now, I, everything I, is on that right side. I, I agree with you there. Uh, I personally am, am always hesitant in these in these moment in time photos which is which are you know is really the things that i i like to shoot you know these moment moment in time you know you see something and you want to capture it i always okay so how can i make it better after the fact because it was a moment in time i you know i it was it was i didn't you know, they're not fixed objects, so I can't move around and I can't frame it perfectly and, and all of that. Um, and if I try and do that, I've missed so many photos trying to do that, you know, where, where something is happening, something is evolving, and I want to get the background right or I want to frame it right, and I'm screwing around with that, and I miss the opportunity of something really cool. And so I'm more inclined to just capture it and then see if it provides the feeling that I experienced and then make it as best I can um, with with what I have in you know in post to to try and enhance that so um, you're you're absolute I agree with you hundred percent a step to the left would have would, would have changed this but you know, my guess is Mustafa, you know, these, these guys weren't stationary and Mustafa was moving around and he caught this. And, you know, even if he had thought about taking a step to the left, he may have missed this shot mm -hmm. with the mouths open. So, yeah. And there's always the potential that the reflections were worse taking a step yeah. to the left, too. That's yeah. it, It's easy to be an armchair quarterback sometimes. Yeah. Exactly right. So for me, I don't often look at it from that perspective of you know, what should have I done in the moment because I wasn't there and I, you know, I didn't experience yeah. it. And 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 I don't want to appear and I'm not saying you are. Because you you see things, and I, I've learned so much, David. I have to say, <laughs> I've learned so much from your critiques of photos. But I don't think about it that way because I'm an in-the-moment shot photo guy, and I respect the fact that this action was caught. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. always is the important part. It's better to capture that moment than it is to capture a technically perfect yeah whatever it is it's definitely yeah. better to catch it in the moment i think um i think you both have like the great approaches to it um i think the one thing that i take away from a critique one of the critiques we always end up saying is 
oh, a step to the left, a step to the right. Oh, there's that one thing in the top right hand corner. So the, the one technique that I would say to anyone listening who struggles with that specifically is when you're framing up a shot, take the half second to look at every corner of the image um, of, of your viewfinder or your LCD screen if you're using that. Um, but take a second to look at all the, the edges, specifically the corners, because that will allow you to see those things. That being said, moment in time images like that super forgivable technical problems are super forgivable to me like to the ends of the earth so i think that's why i chose this photo um specifically i chose this one because that i think it's a great example of a moment in time outweighing um a technical critique i would like to kind of wrap up with just one little announcement and then final thoughts from you guys um so there's been uh, a long time the, the uh, coming where there's uh, there's been a Reddit photo class that happens every year. It was originally created by Alex Buis. I'm going to say now, Alex, if I pronounced your name incorrectly, I super apologize. It's been running for a while. Uh, another person, Pieter, um, took it over. He's been doing it for the past 10 years. I'll link both of them below. But this year, myself and another photographer called Sean Macon in Australia, we will be taking it over and it's going to be moving into the Discord as well as running on Reddit. Um, and we're going to be tweaking it a little bit, um, but working off of the essential soul of it that Alex put together over a decade ago. So I want to invite everyone to check that out. Um, there will be some links in the description that you can see. It will start in January, but... We're going to have little tips and tricks along the way on the YouTube and in the Discord. So if you're hearing this now and it sounds like something you're interested in, it's basically a boot camp for photography over this course of a year. Um, so I highly recommend and invite you all to come. Um, now, just to kind of finish it up, I would, I would like to hear your guys' final thoughts. If you have any words of wisdom for our listeners about gear acquisition syndrome or anything else we touched upon today. For me, the important thing is finding out if it is something you actually need for your photography versus something that you can make do without. Jeff, do you have any final thoughts? I, I think uh, I think David's points are great. You know, I think that if you're in the financial position where it doesn't matter, then go for it and think about it as an experience. Really think about your photography as experience first, and then the gear second. And that is fill, an in, the, way of fill it. in the gear to accomplish what you want from an experience standpoint. And uh, my final less poetic thought would be step away from the amateur blogs and the lens tests. <laughs> <laughs> back away go to an art museum look at magnum photos find something better to do with your time i apologize to the amateur bloggers out there which i guess we would fall into um but yes that would be my final less poetic thought than jeff's thank you everyone for listening today and if you are interested our guest today was jeff markowitz which you can find at jeffmarkowitz.photography that's j-e-f-f-m-a-r-c-o-w-i-t-z 
photography. And for our review photos, we had Mustafa, which is at Mustafa underscore photography on Instagram. And then, of course, you can always check out Chelsea's website at clondon.me, or you can see my own stuff at patternpicksphotography.com. And be sure to check out the Discord server as well. And, of course, the 52 Weeks Challenge, which it's ongoing, but you are absolutely welcome to jump in. It doesn't matter. It's middle of the year. It's about improving your photography. Just jump right in and start improving today. And, of course, if you would like to support this podcast or the Focal Point server, you can join us on Patreon. We've got tons of stuff. Come on out and join us. Thanks for listening.